Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman. This episode was recorded live at the Yiddish Book Center. Artist Deborah Olin was at the center to talk about her visiting exhibit, Every Protection, which is on view at the Yiddish Book Center's Breckner Gallery through March 2023. This is really a lovely chance to talk about the work um, and give it a little context for all of our visitors today. So I thought before we talk about um, every protection, could you tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to art and also a little bit about your approach? Oh, uh, sure. Um, how I came to art. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I <laughs> I wanted to be an artist. Um, I you know I grew up in Atlantic City and um, I worked at Louis Artist Village on the boardwalk. Um, I was a cashier during high school and I think I fell in love with the artists, the lifestyle of the artists, <laughs> more than the artwork of the artists. Um, and uh, I don't know, it just kind of set me on a path. Um, I um, And I think like most, well, a lot of young people who are trying to decide what they want to do in whatever field they're interested in, it takes time. Um, you go through, a, I went through a lot of different medium. I didn't know what I wanted to say, um, why it was important. Um, and uh, I think when I finally fell into printmaking, it just seemed like the right connection. Um, the pieces here are all, um, they start out with a base of monoprints, so they're all um, unique prints. Uh, but you can see if you look at them that, you know, maybe you'll see two identical dresses, but it start, they start out with a matrix that can be reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. And instead of looking at the blank canvas, which was so scary, um, I felt like I had infinite numbers of possibilities of what I could do because I could say, what if I did this? Or what if I did that? Or what if I tried this? And I could actually try them all because it gave me a kind of freedom. It kind of made it easier for me to open up and explore mm -hmm. different ideas within the same series. And that's how I like to work. So curious to know how you went from two-dimensional work to three-dimensional work. It kind of went for care. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was more interested, really, in the three-dimensional work of starting out um, and did uh, sculpture and ceramics. And I think when I got out of college, I realized the kind of space I needed and the kind of equipment I needed. Living in the city was going to be really hard. And so... Um, I kept I kept looking for another medium, but 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 then the wonderful thing is that the printmaking lends itself to move back into three dimensions, and um, I think my grandfather was a tailor, oh. and I spent a lot of time in his shop, and uh, and I just really I don't know I find a lot of connections, a lot of metaphors that deal with garments. Um, in the from the oral Torah, I can think of the slip as 
a sign of vulnerability and the robe as being a protection that covers you. you know, your clothing is right against your skin and it carries your, your smell and your essence. I don't know, it just seems like I, I, from the very beginning, I started um, printing garments. Um, I, I started, that dress belongs to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. that, the, that dress is that eyelet dress. And um, the etching ink is really thick. And so whatever you uh, run through the press, the, uh, all the texture gets transferred. Eyelet, brocade, lace, all those things are easily transferable. And interesting that you start out, or a tailor starts out with a piece of sort of um, tracing paper, flat, and then begins to build into a three-dimensional. Um, so I'm eager to talk to you about your collaboration with Nathaniel Deutsch, which um, came out of this article that Susan alluded to in Pockentrager, our magazine, um, and how you approached him, and also what the collaborative process was like for you if this was your first collaboration. It wasn't my first collaboration, but every collaboration is very different. Mm -hmm. um, it was just the nicest thing. <laughs> it was just the most unexpectedly wonderful thing. I just, you know, I, I read the article and knew nothing about any of this. Um, I just, I wanted those questions. I just, I mean, he was... So Nathaniel Deutsch was translating the questions from Yiddish into English for the first time. And, um, the, and some of the questions were elaborated in the article. And I, I was like, whoa, you know, I, I, need, I need to see these questions. And uh, so I, I went online. This is not me, but I went online. I searched for him. He, um, he the professor at the University of California in Santa Cruz. Um, I read up about him, and uh, I wrote to him. I wrote him an email out of nowhere, and I just said, I'm a visual artist. I'm really interested in what you're doing with your project, and um, um, I'd like to see the questions. I'd like maybe do something with the questions, and um, if I was it possible for me? I mean, he was writing the book, but who knew when that was going to come out? I mean, I think this was 2008, and the book came out in 2011 or 12. I don't even know if it was um, that long ago that it came out. I remember when I started here in 2011, there were conversations about this forthcoming book. Um, and, yeah, yeah it was a, it quite was an undertaking because there were, what, almost 3,000 questions. Yeah. Yes. And I, so I sent the email, and, you know, the next day, I got a response. He, he wrote back. He said, I went to your website. I love your artwork. And would you consider doing a collaboration? So that's, that was it. That was it. And actually, the most wonderful kind of collaboration, because we didn't have to deal with each other. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to uh, really agree on anything or... Uh, you know, with concessions in any way. He's a writer um, and a historian, and I'm an artist, and he didn't want to tell me what to do, and it was just, it was perfect, so. 
And your work is really in response to the questionnaire, right? Exactly. But exactly. It was a great prompt. Um, I'm going to pick up my piece of paper so I can read correctly because okay. my next question um, includes a quote: um, "Every um, every production, every protection, folk culture, and motherhood in the Jewish Pale of Settlement is so interesting in the way that it draws from the ethnographer S. Ansky." Uh, Deutsch remarked about this: um, your work was like witnessing something coming full circle. Deborah Olin has helped to fulfill a dream that Ansky had over a century ago, and in the process has created something that is new old, beautiful, and Jewish. I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on Nathaniel's comment. And also, before we came in to the theater today, we were chatting a bit. And we talked a little bit about the idea of continuity. Um, it's not so much that uh, everything is a revival of Yiddish culture, but the idea that these art forms, um, visual art, literature, music, etc., is all realizing um, a continuity of what came before. And would love for you to expand on that a little bit. Well, I'm very excited that you asked me this question um, because I didn't really know anything about this until I set up my show in, um, at the University of uh, California, Santa Cruz, and, uh, and Nathaniel came and talked about it. And I, so yeah, Ansky talks about um, Oifleben, which is revival, and um, he, he was very, he wasn't just like looking at this questionnaire as nostalgia, as a way of preserving the past or, you know, showing the history of something that was. Uh, he wanted it to be used as raw material. He wanted contemporary artists to take this information and move forward with it in their own, in their own way. And, uh, you know, Ansky was an artist. He was a playwright. He was in the theater. And I think he used a lot of his theatrical skills to hone information from the residents in the shtetls to, um, to find out, you know, wh what was going on there. Uh, and, and so he understood the creative process and he had, you know, like a creative soul. So I think that it was natural for him to think in this direction. And I mean, I had no idea that's what I was doing. <laughs> but I mean, taking the, you know, the kind of that, that, that Jewish folklore background and, and bringing it forward, um, that's, that was his hope. It made me very happy. <laughs> and you know, realize I that. Yeah. Um, there's a play by I.L. Parrott's called In the Marketplace, which actually Frank London and, of the Cosmetics performed here at Yidstock. And it was the same thing. It was funny. He wrote this play at the beginning of the 20th century. And he actually wrote that this play could never be realized in the way he imagined because there wasn't the ability to produce it. Um, so it's the same. It's very exciting to see this work, realize that somebody imagined in, you know, 1910. Um, right. So your work does also incorporate a lot of um, text. That's an integral aspect of your work. Talk a bit about how that informs your work and what it suggests or what you want it to suggest to the viewer. I wanted people to see some of the questions 
Um, there were some questions. The questions are amazing. And, and part of what's amazing about them is that we have no answers. And I just feel like all the information comes from the questions. <laughs> and, and also, it just seems so Jewish, because it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> there's just always more questions. So um, I love it. And I, so I guess, you know, there's just some questions, because Ansky grew up in this area, in the Pale of Settlement. He wanted to, to leave it. He wanted to get away from it, but then later I realized the importance of what, what was being lost. Um, he knew what questions to ask. I mean, some of the questions are just kind of anybody could ask, but a lot of the questions, when you ask somebody, is it true that it's considered bad luck to put an infant in front of a mirror before it gets its first teeth? I mean, that is like so specific. I mean, where would you ever think of something like that? And, you know, so, so some of the questions were just, I, they just knocked me out. I mean, I just loved them. I didn't want it to be like a poster, like a question, uh, you know, where, where you like come to, well, what does that say? And, you know, where you're like, that's kind of the first thing because we all know how to read. I mean, that's kind of what you don't have to think about too much when you have the, the visual is language right in front of you. Um, but to have, uh, I don't know, to have the amulets and the mirrors and the figures and the garments and the, you know, I have some, uh, some uh, illustrations from a book I had when I was a child, The Little New Angel, which when I started reading the questions, my grandfather gave me this book and read it to me as a child. And it's just right out of this. It's just completely, you know, that, you know, Family's having a baby, and Michael's in heaven before he's born, and he's looking down with the, the Sabbath queen, and you know, at his family. And, I mean, the whole thing is just, it's just from there, you know? And so it kind of, I, yeah, I wanted people to see the questions. And also because, you know, the Yiddish text is so beautiful. I mean, it's just so, I mean, it's just like as a decorative element, you know, it's just, really beautiful to look at so it floats around those if i uh, answered your question yeah. <laughs> i got a little off no. tangent there i think you did um so also um you've incorporated a lot of personal pieces um little objects into your work no um, something of your grandmother's, the amulets and things like that? Um, the amulets, mostly that amulet I use, I think is kind of a medieval amulet. Okay. Oh, I think okay. those little guys, those three little... I, so I thought there were a few things that wove themselves, no pun intended, into the work. There could have been. I mean... <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, I, I save and I use. Um, oh, okay. I don't, you know, but probably not things that would be... I'm trying to think now. I wish I had... Now I wish we were in there so I could... Okay, yeah. My I, me I, memory. Um, the use know. of family objects. That's what... Um, well, my okay. grandmother's clothing. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I think more from things I have read, um, the, 
the ideas of not counting your children or being bad luck considered bragging to mm -hmm. count your children um, and things like that. Um, I mean, some of the elements I did that I've used did come from things I took from my grandfather, you know, when we cleaned out their house, you know, of course, my grandmother's dress and, uh, and things like that. Um, but I don't think, I, I'm actually, I'm trying to think now if there was anything specific that was the illustrations from the book. Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of things are included. It's it's interesting, coincidentally, um, working on uh, some work by Singer translations, um, essays, and he writes about the Dybbuk, which is Ansky's famous play, uh, and talks about all of the superstitions um, oh. around child pregnancy um, and Jewish folklore. So reading that and then coming to your work and the questionnaire, it's all so interesting that it's interwoven that this is a topic that comes up and now is coming up again in your work. Um, so I imagine that this project also gave you insights into the life of Jewish women uh, in the early part of the 20th century, and I wonder what your takeaway is on that. Yeah. Um, I think some of it is maybe uh, my own kind of I don't know if it's nostalgia or, you know, hopefulness about it. Um, I had the feeling, and I think from the oral Torah came out of this a little bit, of a kind of a camaraderie between women um, in the shtetl. I think that, I mean, I, definitely the, the th one thing I love about the entire uh, questionnaire is how it starts before birth and it goes until after death, and it makes a person's life feel more like, well, it's a cycle, and that there's no beginning and end. And so that's for starters. Um, I feel like that, you know, in the shtetls, it wasn't just a woman having a baby, a family having a baby, it was the community was having a baby. And I don't know if it was kind of to keep the tribe alive or uh, exactly what the, you know, what, but it, it feels like there's a community involvement. There's, you know, there's, there's the, the person having the baby, there's the, the friends, and there's the, the, the mothers and the grandmothers, and there's the wet nurses, and there's the midwives, and there's the, um, the healers, the opsprechers, which are these women who are healers in the community and are much higher, more highly regarded than the men healers in many cases and that I think that the women used a lot. Um, I also think girls, I mean, even though in the questionnaire, definitely there's more emphasis on the boys. There's more events that happen in, throughout mm -hmm. their lives that are more important. But in terms of everyday living, I felt like girls had more freedom. I felt like since they weren't, they didn't have to go to Cheder, mm -hmm. they went to school. Girls went to school, and they were taught by women. So women were teachers. And, and then they were, 
that many times they grew up to run the businesses in the family because the men were studying. And so they needed to know about business. They got to write, read um, literature and history and more secular subjects. And they were more worldly. They had to learn languages mm -hmm. to do business. You had to know Russian. You had to know Polish. You had, you had to be able to interact with people and know how to you know, do the business part of things. So, yeah, so I, I felt like their lives were, um, oh, and there's another profession that women had. Um, they were um, professional mourners. So women got paid to go to the cemeteries and, um, <laughs> and do some extra theatrical grieving for the, you know, Klogmutters or some kind of, have never heard of this other than being a sitter at the Oscars. When, <laughs> yeah, when an actor gets up. No, actually, it's a Yiddish Jewish tradition. Talked about this, and he he was saying that um, he gave a talk somewhere in Chicago, some kind of uh, uh, independent living place, and uh, this woman, and he said that, that this is one of the professions that died out and didn't come to this country. And there was a woman in the audience, and she said, no, that's not true. <laughs> she goes, I remember as a child going to blah, 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 and there were clogmotiers in the, in the cemetery. And he was kind of like, how old is this woman? <laughs> 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 and yeah, that, that she was saying that it was something that came. So I don't know. I just thought that there were a lot of opportunities that girls had that maybe you had to kind of, you know, they weren't the conventional thing that, you know, you would be, just be there, but there were, there were ways around things, and I think you could, you could get to where you wanted to go as a woman or as a girl growing up in the shtetl. I always ask this of writers, but I'm going to ask you, um, because they are in, this is in response to writing, was there one question that was pivotal um, in terms of moving this forward or a first piece that came and then everything followed from there? That first tooth one that I, that I told you, that was, that was in the first, the Every Protection print, which was the first print that I did. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of like ruin everything <laughs> like every amulet every you know kind of uh different symbol that was uh, available to me uh and then i kind of pulled it apart from there uh but that yeah that one just knocked me out i think that it was i mean there were a lot of really interesting ones about you know i don't know putting the knife in, on, up at the top of your head and above the pillow and tying your a string to your toe and the Torah scrolls and I don't know there were a lot of them that were very visual mm -hmm. but there was just something I never heard anything like that before and I it just really yeah it it grabbed me in a way I guess it's exciting because when you speak about it you can see how you made that connection from from page to um, these pieces and my last question what do you hope the viewer takes away from the work you know, the thing I got the most from the work, <laughs> I guess, is what I'm hoping the viewer gets from the work. Um, 
I've shown the, this work in a lot of different venues. I mean, of course, the, I mean, I'm assuming there's a certain audience that's interested to come here to see it. Um, at the Eldridge, I think uh, it's in Chinatown, and I think that there's a little bit broader, and, mm. and because it's in New York, just a lot of people from wherever come to visit. Um, but I've shown it in, um, in open studios, um, and uh, in various other places early on. And women come in from every culture, Greek women, Italian women, Latino women, um, from, from every, every culture. And they look at the work, and they tell me a story. They tell me Chinese women, and my Chinese acupuncturist, I mean, used to tell me things that I was just about, you know, he would say Chinese women don't want to go, in this country, don't want to go to the hospital because they want you to bathe after you have a child, and that's considered bad for the woman's health. Mm -hmm. so something about the winds. And, and then I was talking to a friend of mine who was, who drove an ambulance, and he said, oh, yeah. He said, when when there's a when somebody's having a baby in Chinatown, they call the ambulance to come to the house. It would be like baby come now. That was like that was the call. And that so I mean every single you know this Greek woman telling me about how her mother used to always call her her niece uh, Mias, you know, ugly. And 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 she was like, what? Like why does she keep saying that the baby's ugly? Like she didn't. You know, and this is like, you know, because you don't, you want, you don't want to tempt the angel of death to come and snatch the child. You don't want to brag that you have this beautiful child there and call attention. I mean, but every single culture they have, and I love that. I love the kind of bringing together and the connection and that this is something, this is like a universal. I mean, we know a lot more about, we have a lot more science now than we did in 1912, but this is the unknown. I mean, before you're born and after you die, we don't know anything. And so it, it hasn't changed in that way. So I guess that's, that's yeah. I would say, getting responses and, and learning more from the viewer. I think that's such an interesting kind of way to end, too, is that idea of the universality of all cultural stories is something that I think we explore a lot here at the center in terms of um, experience and... It also speaks to the importance of his documenting this so that you could pick it up and, and move it forward. Um, <laughs> so it is. Yes. Well, we're going to end here. Um, again, thank you so much for making the track out here for your work. You. you have been listening to The Schmooze a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Elizabeth Carteropoli. Until next time, be well and be healthy.